Portions of the following program may be pre-recorded. The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Do you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again. Let all who are thirsty come to Him. Come and draw from the well of salvation. Be made clean, let Him wash you in truth. The fountain of living water Come and be made new Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water of life? You will never thirst again Let all who are thirsty come to Him He can refresh you in the desert Where your sin left you lost on the brain He is the fountain of living water Come to Him, dear sinner, and drink Will you drink deeply of Jesus? Will you come to the water? Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. What happened? What happened? It looks like a catastrophic war is going on. It doesn't make sense. Oh, it was it was subtle. I don't know when the war started. I don't know how long the war went on before 
The scriptures begin to talk about it. But after Adam and Eve are are put on the earth to repopulate it, after they've been the put in the position of repairing and and rebuilding the earth, populating it. Oh, but the war wasn't over. For Adam and Eve, the war was just starting. This uh, crafty serpent shows up in the Garden of Eden. Their home. They have a right to control who comes into their home. They could have kicked the serpent out, but they didn't. Eve listened. She was enchanted. He had good arguments. You will not surely die, the serpent said. For God knows that when you eat of it with your eyes, you will be open. They will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom. She took some and ate it. She gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And then something so catastrophic happened. They had just signed the earth over to the serpent. They had done what he said. And the command of God was that if you eat of this tree, you will die. Now, it's not very gray, is it? It's pretty black and white. You eat this fruit, it will kill you. Suddenly, they they both have their eyes opened and they see that they're naked. They've lost their connection with God. And perfect timing, they hear God coming, walking in the cool of the evening. He always came. He walked with them. He talked. They fellowshiped. He was courting them. They were to be his wife. The weakest of God's creation, set up now against the strongest of God's creation, the angel of fire, who walked on the holy stones and the holy of holies in heaven, has become a rebel, and he's determined to fight this thing out. He doesn't care what it's going to cost him. More, he doesn't care what it's going to cost the human race. It's all about winning and destroying God. He's deranged. He is evil beyond anything you or I could ever begin to imagine. We thought Hitler was evil? Hitler was a choir boy compared to this fellow. He is evil beyond evil. As I've looked at all of this, it seems clear to me, at least, that there is no punishment painful enough to pay this hideous creature back for what he's done to the earth 
to the human race. Now, scriptures tell us that a third of the angels joined him in rebellion against God. That's hard for me to imagine, but he has his army. Angels, powerful beings. Now, out of this, Adam and Eve make love. They've lost their home. They have lost their food supply. Adam is out working in the field, fighting with weeds and with very unpleasant thorns and thistles. It's coming home tired at night. Wherever home was, they had to find a place and make a home. And they now have a baby out of their love for one another. The problem is that baby that is born, Cain, has the character of his father, the devil. Now, I don't know how Satan pulled that off, but he did. He now has implanted in the human race himself, his character. They bring offerings to the Lord. The Lord does not accept his chintzy offering, his selfish offering. Instead, receives the offering of Abel, who is the first of the righteous born on the earth. He's really angry. That is, Cain is really angry. And God comes to him and says, Cain, this is chapter 4 of Genesis, verse 6, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at the door. It desires to have you, but you must master it. Now, please understand, sin is not passive. Sin is alive. It's active. It's determined to devour you. It may seem, oh, walking in lace slippers. No, it's a hideous demon. It's a hideous power. It wants to destroy you as much as it wants to destroy God. So you willingly put your foot over there into the pit with that woman or that man. You fornicate with them as though, oh, this is nice. I've sat down with couples who are caught in this, and they say, Pastor, how can anything so right be wrong? How can anything so much that brings so much joy to us be wrong? We're going to live together, and we're going to fornicate all the time. Oh, okay. You just signed on to the devil's cadre of evil. 
and it may destroy you. This broadcast is about demon possession. Demon possession happens to people who first make an alliance with an evil spirit, who participate in very specific kinds of sexual sin, fornication, sodomy, or they participate with the devil in lust for money, bitterness, anger, evil. You notice the first thing is Abel's not angry. Cain's angry. Anger opens the door for demon possession. What is demon possession? It is when a malevolent, evil spirit out of the spirit realm begins to take over your mind and your body because it wants your mind and it wants your body. We don't have much demon possession in America, but it's on the increase. Demon possession was basically thrown out of the American Western world because of the acceptance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And the gospel of Jesus blocks the way from a demon taking possession of a man. Now, please, let me be very plain with you. We are engaged in the war of the worlds. And if you're just kind of blithely and ignorantly walking through the world in your life, and you think it's a wonderful time and a wonderful place, you have been utterly deceived. This is sin crouching at the door saying, I will have you. Now, the sin may be very benign to you. It may be very enjoyable to you. You may like yelling and cussing and screaming at your husband. You may like putting your wife down. You may enjoy just lying. Some people just lies flow out of their mouth as though they were nothing. You you love to just get an edge on somebody, put them down. You love to destroy things. I have firearms, and I have in the past enjoyed harvesting an animal or a bird for dinner for my family because we needed it. Pheasants. I used to go out with my BB gun, and I would harvest a pheasant. I'd take it home, and my dad would do what was necessary to prepare it for dinner. I don't mind taking livestock or taking animals, birds, if necessary, for food. What I don't like, and I think is demonic, is trophy hunting for the pride of a man. That's demonic. It's evil. I don't like killing things just to be killing things. That also is utterly 
demonic. And it says you have opened a door in your heart for wickedness that may be very hard for you to close. The day will come when you will have to make a decision about what you're going to do with your time, energy, and money. And are you a killer? Are you a killer? I pray you are not. Now, as I look at all of this that has happened on the earth, I find that Cain, this representation of the devil, it was the devil's son, when confronted by God, said to his brother Abel, hey, let's go out to the field. And they went out to the field. And Cain attacked his brother and killed him, murdered him. Where's your brother Abel? I don't know. He replied to God, am I my brother's keeper? Yes, you are your brother's keeper. What I want you to see is that everything changed when the devil came in and took charge of the earth. It's not the pleasant, happy place that it was at one time. Now it's a place of death, of murder, of anger, of bitterness. The earth is a place of uncleanness. It's not a place I want to be. I am fighting with all of my mind, body, and soul for the kingdom of Jesus Christ to win people to a position with Jesus where Jesus can transform them into a holy, pure, clean person like Adam and Eve were before they fell. And this is done only one way, by applying the shed blood of Jesus from Calvary's tree. And it will utterly transform and change a person into a new creature, one of kindness and mercy, long-suffering, patience. And so I am coming on this broadcast confronting every evil thing that comes before me. Some of you don't like what I say. I know how hunters feel who hunt to kill for fun. They don't like what I'm saying. But see, I didn't come here to say what you might like. I came here to speak the gospel of Jesus Christ as a man is transformed by the blood of Jesus and becomes a new creature, and the old things have gone, and the new has come. And it's very fine. The difference between violence, control, anger, bitterness, fights, cursing, name-calling, and living at peace one with another in the name of Jesus Christ. 
where there is only love and peace and kindness, unselfishness, mercy. That's a very different kind of place. So Cain is brought before the Lord for judgment. The Lord says, Your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. Now you are under a curse and driven from the ground, which opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood from your hand. When you work the ground, it will no longer yield its crops for you. You will be a restless wanderer on the earth. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. Whoa, 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 wait a minute, wait a minute. He's a murderer. He should have been executed. No, the character of Satan is that he only cares about himself. He's selfish to the core. It only matters what happens to him. He's right. You're wrong. He's the power. You're the weak one. Cain said to the Lord, My punishment is more than I can bear. Today you're driving me from the land, and I will be hidden from your presence. No, God didn't say he'd be hidden from his presence. He was never hidden from the presence of God. God watched Cain all the way through until he died which was the just reward for his behavior. He says, I will be a restless wanderer on the earth, and whoever finds me will kill me. But the Lord said to him, Not so. If anyone kills Cain, he will suffer vengeance seven times over. And then the Lord put a mark on Cain so that no one who found him would kill him. So Cain went out from the Lord's presence and lived in the land of Nod, east of Eden. Nod in the Greek means wander or wandering, always starting over, never can build a base. Always starting over. Now, what's he going to do to earn an income? Time has passed. Years have passed. Adam and Eve have had many children. They've had children. Now the population on the earth is growing. So what does Cain do? He gets his wife. She's pregnant and gave birth to Enoch. And Cain was building a city. In other words, he went into business. He couldn't farm. He couldn't raise animals. He could not till the ground. It wouldn't produce anything for him. And so he built a city. And I want to tell you, there has been a city ever since. Later, that city was named 
appropriately. Babylon. Confusion. And today, America is Babylon. The city of business and commerce, the city of violence, the city of war, after the character of his father, the devil. And many more canes have been born. And you can identify a cane because they love to kill. Now, I'm horrified at the thought of what happened with Noah. But God could no longer, in his heart, he could no longer tolerate the wickedness, the violence that had grown upon the earth. And so he did a reset, a total reset of the earth. Unfortunately, the devil was still here. And the devil very much still planned on destroying the world and killing God. Now, I want to tell you a story. It comes out of Matthew, the 15th chapter. Matthew, the 15th chapter. There was a a Canaanite woman. She was a pagan. I'm sure she had lived in a very evil way for much of her life. But then something happened that totally changed her heart and caused her to seek after Jesus. Jesus had left Galilee area, and he'd walked over to the area of Tyre and Sidon. And this Canaanite woman, a Phoenician woman, located right next to Syria, between Syria and Tyre. She came looking for Jesus. Now, the thing that gives me more courage than anything else is that people today are still coming and searching for Jesus. I'm troubled by so few coming searching for Jesus because most have bought into the lies of the devil and are quite comfortable feasting at the table of the devil, feasting at the table of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. There's much good on the devil's table. He uses that to catch and to seduce, to twist, to capture, to capture. And, stupidly, many American people, church people, have been captured by the devil's subtlety and his 
smorgasbord of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. They don't want the evil. They just want the good. And they want to feast on it. So this woman is searching for Jesus. She finally found him. And she began to cry out, Lord, son of David, have mercy on me. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. There you've got it. Again, what is a demon? Well, I'm not going to go into all the ins and outs that many scholars have done with demons. Many believe, and I agree with them, that the Nephilim were the result of intercourse between evil angels and the sons or the daughters of man, and they produced giants in the earth. And these giants were the heroes of the Greeks in the myths. Utterly evil, however, filled with lies. And then that giant would die, but the physical part could die. All flesh dies. But the angelic part could not die. And so now you have a giant or some other horrible creature, the offspring of a man, that is, a demon. No, let me use my language correctly. That is the result of an angelic being who cannot die, having intercourse with a human beautiful woman, and the result could be any kind of grotesque manifestation. Many giants, 20, 30, 40 feet tall, heroes of the past, gods of Egypt, Now, this, what's left of the giant, the angelic part that is utterly evil, is in a rage. And I believe he's gone out upon the earth to rape, pillage, destroy. It's an evil, malevolent spirit. Now, why would an evil, malevolent spirit come upon a child? She says, my daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. Well, I don't know that it was a a young child. I don't know the circumstances. We're not told any of that. What I do know is that some way a door was opened into this young woman's life. It may have been her mother who opened the door. It could have been her father. We don't know what it was. 
But often demon possession comes about through sexual molestation. Often demons are allowed to enter into a person and possess them, mind, body, and soul. Like the two two men or one man, as part of the scripture says, in Gennesaret, where the Lord casts the demons out, legions, and they go into the pigs and die in the water. I've watched this. I know people who have demon possession. Sometimes it's a very violent form, and sometimes it's often hidden until something triggers it, makes it angry, and then it will manifest with growls and roars. and It's terrifying. Unless you know that demons are subject to the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, I'm raising this issue of demon possession because some of you listening are not demon-possessed. But you have made alliances with demons. There are some people who've even made deals with their life. Cher, the popular singer, has a deal with the devil. Beyonce has a deal with the devil. These deals are often sealed with human beings in sodomy. I can only tell you that a demon, according to the scripture, is always unclean. There's a sexual element to every demonic possession, and it's unclean. Someone says, I'm a sexual addict. Well, do you understand? A dear friend of mine was an alcoholic, constantly drunk. She had an accident in her garage. The police came. She gave him a false report. They took her to jail. She decided that she wanted to go into rehab and get clean. She and my wife were very good friends, my late wife. And they were praying together. She was totally delivered. Been a number of years since I last heard from her that before they moved out of the area is that she is now totally clean some years later. She said to me, Pastor, I need to say this to you. Pastors need to understand that every addiction has with it a demonic component. Wow. That's an eye-opener. 
you're addicted to cigarettes, there is a sexual unclean part to that addiction that is of the devil. Whatever the addiction is, it is fastened on you by a demonic spirit. They're sometimes called familiar spirits. A familiar spirit is simply a spirit that works in cooperation with you until you're ready to make a deal with the devil. And then it goes from being a familiar spirit to a possession of by a spirit. If you are possessed by a spirit and you're listening to this broadcast, I want to tell you there is a way of escape, and it's the only way of escape that I know. It's not psychotherapy. The escape from the addiction, the escape from the demonic presence, the escape from the constant speaking into your mind from that demon that is now taking possession of you, the only escape possible is the blood of Jesus Christ. And finding a person who will pray with you. If you are not able to pray through on your own, you may need help. You may need to go to a pastor who has experience with demonic possession and have it totally broken by the blood of Jesus Christ. Now, let me continue. My daughter is suffering terribly from demon possession. This this daughter is being tortured by a demon. Now, be clear. Demons are utterly evil. The devil is totally given to lying, stealing, murdering. He is utterly evil. The evil is so far beyond what you can imagine. It's beyond what I can imagine. But this is the battle that we're engaged in. It is a demonic battle. Jesus just kept walking. He utterly ignored her. He didn't answer. Jesus does not just pass out blessings. He wants you to understand who the devil is, and he wants you to be clear that you're going to turn from the devil, you're going to renounce him, and you're going to follow in the way of the cross. So Jesus did not answer a word. The disciples came to him and and urged him, send her away, for she keeps crying out after us. Now, the the Greek word here, crying, is a loud screeching, like a raven. 
and it's bothering. It's getting under the skin of the disciples, and they don't like it. And they're saying, would you please just tell her to go away? We don't want anything to do with this woman who sounds like a demon. Finally, Jesus turns. And he answers this woman. I was sent only to the lost sheep of Israel. The woman came, and now she kneels before him. Lord, help me. Lord, help me. I want you to hear, that's a cry that the Lord can never turn away from. Some manuscripts have, Lord, help me. I am a wicked sinner. That is the most powerful prayer a man or woman can utter, recognizing that this whole thing is about a demonic spirit. What's going on in your life is about a demonic spirit that desires to have you. Sin is crouching at the door, and you must overcome that demon, or you will be destroyed. And you think you can just waltz through this life And it's going to be a good life, and then you can die, and then you can go to heaven. Are you kidding me? If you don't recognize that this is a bitter fight-to-the-death war, you will fail. This woman... is screaming. She is now desperate. She is screaming, Lord, help me. I am a wicked sinner. The Lord can't turn away from that. But he replies, it's not right to take children's bread and toss it to their little dogs. Yes, Lord, she said, but even the little dogs eat the crumbs that fall from their master's table. Jesus is giving her no dignity. Jesus is giving her no reason why he should hear her cry. Please until we get sufficiently desperate that we begin to screech, cry aloud, spare not, confess I'm a wicked sinner. I need you, Jesus, in this fight against this demon spirit. I have no power, and this demon is destroying my daughter 
and she's precious to me. Now, let me ask a quick question. Was this woman on Jesus' to-do list for the day? Was this woman on his, his list of responsibilities? No. No. We don't have to be on Jesus' list of responsibilities for him to answer our cry. And we certainly don't have to be somebody for Jesus to hear our pathetic cry before his throne. We have to hear, son, you're nobody. There's no reason, there's no merit in you. Everything that you are came from me. You have no right. You come as a penitent sinner. You come as one who desperately needs an answer from God. And Jesus answers. Woman, you have great faith. You have great faith. Your request is granted. And her daughter was healed instantly at that very hour. And she went home to find her daughter well. Now, I don't know what happened to her after that. But I can tell you this. Regardless of what your need is before Jesus, if you will come with a penitent heart and confess your utter unworthiness for him to even turn and answer you, he will answer. The reason most don't get an answer from God is that they're too comfortable. Even if they're miserable, they're too comfortable. They're full of the devil saying, I can handle this. I can do it. No, you can't. And you will die in misery. And you will die in your addiction. Like my neighbor who's addicted to cigarettes. while he has toes that are being cut off by surgeons because they're filled with infection. Or people who are bitter and angry, they take it out on the family. They've done everything they can to be rich. I know people who who from the very earliest part of their life wanted to be rich. I just want money. Then I can do whatever I want to do. Or they say to me, Pastor, I want money so I can help you in the work of the gospel. I say, forget it. I'm not interested in your money. It's just filthy lucre. Its seduction will take you to hell. 
Don't talk to me about your plans to make money so you can help me in the work of the gospel. Jesus is the help I need. He'll move in the hearts he wants to move in, and he'll bring the money he wants to bring. I'm not going to chase you or anyone else, hoping that you'll make money so that you can help me in the work of the gospel. Are you kidding me? The very thought of it angers me. Do you understand? It's humility that God wants. It's turning aside from your own power, from your own desires. It's turning aside and and bowing before the almighty God of heaven, Jesus Christ, and crying aloud and saying, Jesus, I need you. I'm not worthy, but please, Lord, help me. I can't do this. Are you sure you can do what you want to do? You live in a war-torn world that is as ugly as anything that could be possibly imagined. It is full of vice and bitterness and anger. It is filled with every wicked thing. And soon it's going to burn. And everyone in it who has still signed up on the side of the devil, is going to burn with it. I want to be a part of that remnant who loves and serves Jesus with all of my heart. And I ought to be very honest with you. I have come to Jesus and said, Lord, help me. I can't make it on my own. I can't I can't walk again with this broken hip. Jesus, you're my healer. Help me. And then I made the choice. I'm going to trust that he heard me. And I'm going to trust that he's going to heal me. And I chose to rejoice in his mercy and his kindness because I'm a child of the Lamb. I'm a child of Jesus. I belong to the kingdom of God. I belong to the kingdom that is eternal. I trust in the Lord. You make the decision. Where do you belong? Heaven or hell? Almighty God. I come today speaking the truth as honestly and as frankly as I'm able. And I come saying to the demon-possessed and speaking to those who are in league with familiar spirits, who are playing with darkness, Oh Lord, would you tell them to get their foot out of that pit of wickedness and to come and follow you? And to cry out, Lord, help me. Lord, help me. Oh, Jesus. The fight is on for every human being's heart and life. The fight is on. And Jesus, help us, please. 
We don't deserve heaven. We deserve hell, every one of us. But Lord, you've come by your blood to wash and cleanse and transform and change us into your image. And you've done that with me. And I praise you for this. Almighty God, thank you. Do it for my brother. Do it for my sister. Lord, do it now. Change them. As they're crying out, even as this broadcast is ending, even as they're crying out, screeching, Lord, help me, would you hear their cry? And would you deliver them from every addiction and every sin washed in the blood? Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your name. Amen. Well, you've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I thank you. You encourage me by your comments. Marie, thank you. God bless you all today. God, turn you from your sin and cause you to cry out. The Lord will hear you. (laughs) Write to me, National Prayer Chapel. Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or go to our webpage, nationalprayerchapel.com. And there you can give online. God bless you. I love you with all my heart. I want you to be free. I'll talk to you soon.